From the Library of Maria Menounos, this is Book Circle Online, featuring in-depth discussion, insight, news, and commentary on all the world's leading book titles and their authors. And now, Book Circle Online. Hey guys, welcome to Book Circle Online. We've got a really special episode for you today. We're shooting in the home library of Aaron Hartzler. Ta-da! Thank you for having us. It's my pleasure. And this looks so good. Thanks. It's a very attractive bookshelf. I wish I could take credit for it. It was in Dwell Magazine in September 2009, and I totally <laughs> stole the idea from them, and I put it in every apartment. The color coding and the yes. stacks. And the and the... The white hard hardware-less shelves, the floating oh, shelves. Oh, they're floating. Yeah. I think you guys can see that. Duck, come on. There it is. Cool. Um, all right, well, let's talk about the book, What We Saw. This is loosely based, I guess inspired by the Steubenville High case in 2012. Um, what was it about that case that stuck with you? So uh, in Steubenville, Ohio, in 2012, there were two student athletes that were accused and convicted of raping a girl who was passed out at a party. Uh, she was drunk and they took advantage of her and in the ensuing social media sort of onslaught um, that happened, there was a, a big screaming match that happened in many places but a lot on Twitter. And um, rape culture sort of came, you know, bounding into the forefront. Right. So I was thinking about what it was like to come of age in the middle of this kind of conversation about sexual violence and um, this this girl kind of popped into my head, Kate, and uh, this character um, stuck with me for a second as I read about what was going on in the town and the adults in the town sort of circling the wagons around these athletes and trying to cover things up and then Anonymous, the Hacker Collective, got involved. And um, there's a really great New Yorker article uh, about what went down in Steubenville and the prosecutor who brought the charges against these kids said that, you know, in social media, Steubenville became this horrible place where horrible people did horrible things. And she said that um, there was an easier, there's a better explanation for what happened in Steubenville, and that was that teenage drinkers are the worst decision makers in the world. And that stuck in my head, and I thought, that may be true, but there were a lot of kids at that party who were also drunk who didn't rape anybody. Right. And so I wanted to write, a, uh, that, that was when kind of the character of Kate came to me and I, and I thought, I wanna write a book from somebody who's not involved directly in the events, mm -hmm. who's standing on, on the outskirts of this, watching it all go down in her town and trying to figure out A, what happened, and then B, whether or not she'll speak up about it. Okay, and I really like too that, like you said, this affected the entire town and a lot of them were complicit in the cover-up, and yet the people in town aren't monsters but like what they were doing is pretty horrible. Some of them, yeah. There are still, there are still ongoing court cases from Steubenville uh, in regards to three or four of the teachers and principals and coaches that were involved wow. in, in the cover-up. Uh, but, you know, there were also people in the town who were saying, hey, this is happening, hey, this is happening, and saving screenshots and saving the social media stuff that had been posted about it and trying to get uh, the authorities involved. Um, so. Yeah, I think that's the interesting part, to me anyway, that was the interesting part about writing Kate and writing, um, you know, I made up a fictional town in Iowa that this takes place in. And I, I felt like there was a humanity to the town itself that was lost sort of 140 characters at a time. Yeah. Um, and you know, a horrible crime happened there, and, and rightly so, people should be outraged about that. Uh, but I also wanted to find a way to 
breathed some humanity back into the story and the character of Kate sort of allowed me to do that. Totally. And your book is fiction, but a lot of the events did come from the actual case. How did you decide what to like put and not put in the book? You know, it was a it was a it was an ongoing conversation with my editor. Um, I outlined this book first and we had conversations about what was there and what wasn't, what was maybe too close, uh, how to change how to change and fictionalize the events. And I feel like we were very successful. In, yeah, absolutely. In, in sort of keeping the tone and the flavor of what happened in Steubenville, but but uh, making it, minting it fresh uh, as a new story. And you know, uh, sadly, along the way uh, towards the publication of this book, as I was writing it, there were other events of this nature that got national media attention. So there was always. Uh, something to draw from, sadly, in the news. And uh, whether it was the Duke lacrosse team or um, even more recent events um, with the kid at the private school. Right. Um, it's been an ongoing conversation uh, that, that I, I'm glad to contribute to, I hope. Uh, asking questions and talking about specifically the complicity and silence. Absolutely. And this is a young adult book that does deal with a member of the community being raped. Why is it important for young readers to read about this kind of thing? I think I hear from parents a lot about uh, why do you write what you write? Um, there's an ongoing conversation, especially in young adult literature, about banned books. and parents going up in arms about content in books and trying to get it pulled out of their schools and pulled off the library shelves. And then there's another side of that conversation where parents want to have conversations about issues like this with their kids and they don't know how to start that conversation. And I say to those parents, authors all over the place have started that conversation for you. If you, you know, Laurie Health Anderson wrote about this in Speak. Um, uh, all the Rage is another book that just came out last year uh, that deals with this issue from the victim's perspective. There are tons and tons of books that will start this conversation for you. Get one of these books and leave it on your coffee table. It will disappear, I promise you. Yeah. And a week later you can ask your kid, what did you think of that book? And that's how you start the conversation. Um, I mean, and a lot of the parents in the book were talking about like what happened, but no more specific than that. Right. Well, and I think that was... An ear, that's an earmark of some of this, uh, some of the conversation around Steubenville and then other areas where this has happened, is that there's a certain amount of we don't want to know going on, right? Yeah. And, and I've even had conversations with people who are like, oh, well, we were in school and we didn't have the internet. Thank goodness, you know, this it was a simpler time. This wasn't going on. It was going on. We just didn't report about it. Right. We didn't have people like Lindy West and Roxanne Gay and and Dan Savage like blasting. Uh, rape culture and showing up every day to do it uh, and do it well and do it with smarts. So if I can be one small contribution to that conversation, especially for teen readers, um, then I'm, I'm very pleased. Absolutely. And is that why you think the town was able to ignore it, for lack of a better reason? Because they don't want to believe that this is true? Sure. I mean, I think there's a cognitive dissonance, right, with who we say we are and and who we actually are, what our actions actually say yeah. about us. And I think the there are there are issues that you know I deal with personally on an everyday basis where I have to reconcile who I want to be with what my actions are, of right? Course. Like I want to be a healthy fit guy. Did I go to the gym or did I just eat a pizza? You <laughs> yeah. know, like so so and, and the way we 
you know, not to make light of a serious issue, but in Steubenville, that came to the fore. It was a huge, every huge football town. Um, in the book, uh, the athletes play basketball instead, uh, just as a point of fictionalization. But I think, especially in small towns where you have sort of a hero worship of sports players, it can be very difficult. Even Candy Crawley on CNN, when these guys in Steubenville yeah. were convicted, she talked about you know, how this would ruin their lives. And rightly so, got taken down on Twitter because there was no mention of how it had ruined the victim's life, you know? Yeah. And so I think, I think that's uh, one of those things that we're learning as a culture how to speak about and how to address. And yeah, and almost like a part of the town was like inconvenienced by it and upset about that. Like right. we want to go to champions, we want to go to the championship, we want to go to college, and we don't want to deal with this. Right. We well, want the celebration. Yeah, and you know, in this book, um, there is sort of a there is sort of a mystery as Kate, you know, Kate, the character of Kate, is at the party where this all goes down early. She leaves early. Um, and when she wakes up the next morning, there's all this stuff on social media and there are all these rumors flying around and then all of a sudden there are accusations made. And she has to sort of figure out if the people that she's related to were actually involved in this or not. And the book on a certain level is really, it's, it's less an issue book um, about teen rape and it's more a book about a young woman who is coming of age and learning to define herself um, by her own actions instead of being defined by the actions of others, the actions yeah. of the people in her town, the rumors that are circulating. And I, I really wanted to write towards that because I don't like I don't like issue books that are issue books for the sake of being issue books, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's why I approached this from story and from Kate because especially with young women, I feel like, uh, the young women that I talk to in high schools that I hear from um, online when they read my books and message me, I hear a lot about uh, them feeling like they don't have very much power over their own lives, that a lot of their choices are being made for them. And so I wanted to show in, a, in an instance uh, that, that we, we are becoming increasingly familiar with how somebody can make choices that define who they are um, and that define their character. And Kate definitely does that in this book. Yeah, and I love too, everyone is rushing to judgment, which I don't think is uncommon, no. but they're picking a side without hearing from either side. And her struggle is that she wants all the facts before she wants to make a decision. Yeah, and I think, you know, especially when you're, when I was a teenager, um, it was, easy for me not to have to choose to be to go to go along with what my friends wanted me to do to go along with what my parents wanted me to do to go along with what my teachers wanted me to do and to not it, it was it was very easy in a way not to have to think for myself mm -hmm. and i think for for my money that's sort of what coming of age is 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 taking that power back for yourself and saying you know what i'm going to start to make some decisions on my own and for better or worse this is who I am, and you start to define yourself by the actions that you take. Totally. The book reminded me too about your first book is about religion and sexuality, and while those aren't like new themes to write about, it is for like a younger audience. Yeah, you know there, are, uh, there's a <laughs> there's a great librarian friend of mine who's uh, I'm friends with her on Twitter, 
Um, her name is Angie, and she was tweeting about this yesterday. She said, "Hey, all you adult people who are young at heart, <laughs> hey, and, you. and read and read YA books, and then go post about them on Goodreads. That twist you saw coming that you're not impressed by, well." A lot of teenagers who haven't read as many books as you have have never heard about that twist before, and they're really into it. And I think that's the, you know, I think that's one of the things. Issues like this are evergreen in in, in that sense that there's always somebody young coming up who does not have the reading experience absolutely um, that an adult does who hasn't ever read about these issues before. That's why I tell people all the time: we need your coming out story. We need your book about, you know, whatever it is. Even if you feel like somebody else has already written a book about that, fine. There's always a new crop of teenagers coming up who are 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 who have never, who've never read that story before and they need it from your perspective in your, on your timeline. Absolutely. And as an adult, though, I have to say like, there is a lot of suspense in this. Good. Thank you. Know? you. Yeah. You know, I'd like to say <laughs> I don't write books for teens as much as I write books about teens. Um, okay. I don't really think about the audience when I write because yeah. it would paralyze me. So I just tell the very best story that I can, that yeah. I would want to read with, with, and those stories so far have happened to have teenage protagonists. And yeah. that's sort of the delineation for whether your book is marketed young adult or adult. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's so easy to focus on like the rape in the book because that's like a major point and it's so serious, but there's also like a really beautiful love story between the characters with really just like surprising and sweet moments. It was really nice. Thank you, yeah. I, yeah. I, don't, uh, I didn't want to write a book that was torturous to read. And you know, I think part of that, <laughs> Why not? <laughs> part of that, I think part of that is that um, life is not all one thing, right? So I, yeah. I really tried to find, uh, you know, as again, as I, as I said, even dealing with the, sort of the confines of what I was writing about, I wanted to find a way into that through Kate's story. And I and I feel like there is a there's a lot of good story in here. Yeah, and there's a lot of good supporting characters. I think uh, Ben's mom is one, Adele. Adele is my favorite Adele. character in the book. Oh, okay. Um, I think she'll be a lot of people's favorites. Yeah. Uh, I, I really love inhabiting a town, and I especially love writing parents. I think, you know, my teen experience, my parents were omnipresent. Like, I, I read sometimes YA books that were clearly written by authors who did not have parents that were present a lot because the parents are just gone. And those aren't my books. Like I, right. my parents were everywhere. They were all, my, what happened in our, fam, in our family unit at home was definitive of, uh, you know, and, and yeah. friends and school were definitely second tier as far as what was going on in my life. So the parents are very present in my books, and uh, you won't you won't ever probably read a book of mine and be like, "Where's Where's the mom?" She's there. <laughs> That's exact same in my family, so I liked it. <laughs> um, speaking of you as a teenager, you never set out to be a writer. This is your second book. You've got a third in the can. What would your teenage self think about this? Um, you know, I, I think I think sixteen year old Aaron is pleased. Like he. Okay. Pleasantly surprised. I was going to be an actor, right? and I was for quite a while. Um, uh, a, a, he's a Glad nominated actor. Thank you. Yes, I got a Glad Media Award nomination for a one man show. <laughs> That's I did. big, yeah. No, you know, I, I, uh, the transition was fairly easy for me because 16 year old Aaron was writing all the time, and he just didn't know it. So I have a Rubbermaid bin full of crap from high school, and uh, I went through it last year. David Levithan asked me to do a Juvenilia panel at a teen author week he runs in New York in the spring. And so I was looking through old journals and 
I was shocked at the amount of writing I did in high school. I had stacks and stacks of like school newspapers that I'd been the editor on and like written huh. features for and in my in my in my notebooks for classes, I still had some note class notebooks. Yeah. Um, I'd turn a page and there'd be like fourteen pages of like terrible country song lyrics or like you know, just, just I was I was constantly writing and I think I just didn't realize it. I it took a while until I heard I finally heard someone say, You should write a book. And I, I'm sure somebody had said that to me before, but it, it didn't hit. Like, I had this moment of grace when my friend Nikki said that, and I was able to hear him and, like, go, okay, you're right. I'm going to stop auditioning. I'm going to really put my eggs in this basket and see if I can make it go. Wow. It just, it just clicked. Yeah. I was, um, I, had, I had written a bunch of autobiographical one-man shows and was doing stand-up and had gotten a chance to develop a television show two times at 20th Television um, here in L.A. And the development exec I was working with, Nikki Weinstock, uh, when the writer's strike happened in 2006, uh, said, you know what, while this is all getting figured out, you should write a book. And I, again, I just heard him. Like, and I, I'm sure somebody had said that to me before. Yeah. But I feel very grateful that um, I was able to hear it and take it in and actually take some action. That's huge, yeah. And speaking of your third book, are you able to tell us what it's about? Sure. Uh, the third book is called Twitch. It is... Um, Southern Gothic, my I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best homage to a Southern Gothic. Uh, another novel. It's another novel. Great. With a with a with a, a gently tugged from the headlines sort of news story. Uh, about three years ago in Leroy, New York, there were some girls who all came down with uh, conversion disorder and uh, mass psychogenic illness, which is what we call mass hysteria now. Uh, there were I think there were. Uh, almost 20 people who started having the same sort of tics and Tourette's-like symptoms. Like and crucible style yelling? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, and they went on Good Morning America and Aaron Brockovich got involved and it was this whole thing that blew up. So I've sort of tugged that idea and put it in a small town in the south and the story is told from the perspective of a 17-year-old boy whose older sister is the queen of the school and is the first girl to come down with this series of tics. Oh, fascinating. It's always like the outsider, like looking in. Yeah, I think, I don't know why, but I think that's what I do. I gravitate towards yeah. that. And I, I, maybe it was because I was, uh, I was sort of an outsider myself in high school, kind of looking in and kind of getting into the, uh, trying to trying to find my way into the friends. Yeah, and, and I, I think everyone feels like that too. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, that's a teen, that's a universal teen experience. Huge, so. yeah. Totally. Well, this was so much fun. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah, I really can, appreciate it. Thank you. Where can everybody find you on like social media? Is Twitter best? Uh, Twitter's great. I'm Aaron007. Uh, you can find me online at AaronHartzler.com. Awesome. And I tweet from JeffMasters1. You can find all of our content on iTunes, YouTube, and of course, Book Circle Online. Thanks. <laughs>